Welcome to the Shepherd's Crook Podcast. The Shepherd's Crook exists to provide care, counsel, and resources for pastors. You can get more information at theshepherdscrook.co. My name is Jared Sparks, and I'm a pastor coming alongside other pastors, reminding them of the chief pastor. Welcome back to the Shepherd's Crook Podcast. There's been a little bit of a delay this week because I had some technical difficulties, had some issues with my computer, and those got worked out last night. So I am back, and we are starting just a new series where I'm going to be explaining just a few things for several weeks. I don't exactly know how long this series is going to last, but we're going to do some deep dives into theology and uh, we're hopefully try to explain some things to you that I think are kind of on the fringes or on the edges of what pastors generally talk about, but I think it is important for us to talk about and nail down. Today we're going to talk about Christian nationalism. I'm going to lay out several different ideas and, and thoughts about it, and it's going to be a little bit of a junk drawer conversation, but a very intentional junk drawer conversation about Christian nationalism, and I really want to appeal in the end for the authoritative word in the public square. And I really want to get to the heart of the issue of why some of this stuff is so controversial and why there's infighting and big, uh, you know, bickering and uh, friendships being lost and you name it across the board with this thing called Christian nationalism. It's new on the scene. We hadn't heard about it until about three or four years ago, but we're going to talk about it. First, we need to pray, and then I'll tell you about the Honor God Network. Let's go to the Lord and trust that he hears us. Father, we just thank you so much for this time. I ask for your blessing on this conversation. I want it to be helpful for pastors, and I really pray that it is, uh, well, I pray that they would go down a little bit of a rabbit trail, and they would see, as John the Baptist saw, that your word and your law is authoritative in the public eye. Even for those who don't recognize your authority, they don't recognize your word, your word is still authoritative nonetheless. So God, help us with that. I trust you're going to. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So if you have a website or a podcast, you've got to host that website or podcast somewhere, right? So many people go to Squarespace, many people go to Anchor, and they have to use these platforms that hate Christian values. They're ran by people who, I mean, really stand for everything that is just antithetical to the scriptures. And so what do we do? We want content, we want to produce content, and you might be like myself where I'm regularly putting out content to be consumed. Well, I have a friend, Riley Voth, and he runs the Honor God Network. They host the Shepherd's Crook website and Christchurch Carbondale website and also our podcast information, and they actually give me ownership over all of that. You know, I don't know if you know this or not, but if you start a podcast via Anchor, Anchor owns all of your content. They own it. You don't actually own it. You have to request from them that they release ownership of that. And they could shut down all your information if they wanted to at any time. And so you have access if you go with the Honor God Network. So the Honor God Network is a group of men that have their websites and podcasts hosted on and through the Majesty's Men Network and the Honor God Network. And the Majesty's Men is kind of the front face of the Honor God Network. And so if you want to go to themajestiesmen.com, you can kind of see the stuff that's going on and all the websites and podcasts that are being hosted. And you can also go to the Honor God Network and and talk to Riley if you have any other questions about that. So it's a really great work that's uh, really building up several Christian companies and and uh, content cre- uh, creators and all that kind of stuff. So it's good stuff. So check it out. And Riley loves the Lord and is excited about what God's doing and has been working on this for literally a decade, really taking little to no money at all from it, but just pumping it right back into the business to provide for you, people just like me, just like you. So if you're a church that wants to host your site uh, there instead of Squarespace and all this other stuff, you can do that. So check out the Honor God Network. Okay, let's talk about Christian nationalism. 
Now, this is important in the practical details of things like this. We have a murder mill coming to our community, possibly two, in light of Roe v. Wade being overturned. Many states in the South, all these trigger laws are going into place. Uh, these women, praise the Lord, don't have access to murder their children. And so they're wanting to come to Illinois, the murder land uh, of the Midwest, and to have these, these murder mills take the life of their children. Well, Illinois has uh, the opposite laws of many of these states that surround us because of Chicago and uh, our county, which is Jackson County in the southern part of the county. But we are like a minuscule amount of people compared to Cook County up in Chicago. Well, uh, there's a lot of churches in this area that don't want to get involved. And there are many, many churches that have. I want to be very positive about the churches. And it's been really great to see that there's a bunch of people that are really alarmed. Like, wait a minute, not in our backyard kind of thing. And yet, there are other pastors, I think, in the region that just don't want to touch any of this kind of stuff because they think it's going to somehow alienate them from a big big and large portion of people in the community. In fact, some of the largest churches in our, in our town aren't touching this, or they're even, some of them, unfortunately, celebrating it. And I think it goes back to this whole idea of Christian nationalism and the idea that we don't say anything in the public about the scriptures. We only say things privately in our home and in our church. But let's let's rewind a little bit. Okay, Christian nationalism, the word itself, really came on the scene about four or five years ago with Trump. And when Trump became president, he was not a company man, and people hated his guts. And anybody who would support him are, in large measure, labeled in this, what, what used to be called the moral majority in the 80s, uh, and now is this Christian nationalist group that wants God's word to be proclaimed from the rooftop of every rooftop, and they want America to be a Christian nation. Well, these labels started to get thrown around from Tim Keller to Russ Moore to David French to Beth Moore to so many other people that sort of talking about these Christian nationalists who are just wanting to set up a Christian nation. Now, at first I started to think that they're kind of like addressing, you know, John Hagee kind of like people that are big time Israel, 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 America, 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 the Richard Jeffries or not Richard, whatever it is, Jeffries guy, those types. But then after a little bit of time, I recognized, wait a minute, they're not just critiquing those who would, you know, idolize America or somehow uh, see America as almost a replacement Israel in the world. And, and I can see the critique of that. You know, clearly there needs to be a theological critique of that, and that is a problem when you see America as the new Israel, basically. And <clears throat> so I, I saw, though, that there was something happening here that, that really wasn't a critique of the John Hagee types. It really wasn't a critique of the Jeffries types. It was beginning to be a critique of anyone who would say things like this. Yes, I want America to be a Christian nation, or I want biblical law, or I want even the Ten Commandments to be the guiding moral principles of our country, or we want everybody to become a Christian, or we don't like pluralism. And anybody that would open the Bible and say anything about God's law, or what does God have to say about this, was starting to be labeled a Christian nationalist. And, and this began to build and grow, and we've seen this build and grow, especially in the big Eva types, <clears throat> where this word, these two words together, have become a bad word. It's like a cuss word. And it is equivalent to a domestic terrorist. What do you want? Just some sort of theocratic rule, the ideas of theocracy, and then the theonomy start to dust up, and there's then accusations all across the board of being out of balance from one side to the other. And, okay, 
real life example of this. We go to a city council meeting, and I think I've nailed down with this example what people are calling and why people are calling Christian nationalism Christian nationalism. What is it that is pulling out of people this accusation? We're at this city council meeting, and we're pushing back on the abortion mill, the murder mill that's coming to the town. And I open the Bible, and I'm the first one to go, and I quote from the Bible, and quote the Bible authoritatively, because the scriptures are authoritative in every area of life, right? They're not just sufficient for the Christian, for the Christian household, and for the church. They are authoritative everywhere. Even when people don't recognize the biblical authority that's in front of them, even when people don't recognize that Jesus is king and Caesar is not king, Jesus is still king and the scriptures are still authoritative. And that's the pushback right there, okay? So I open the Bible and I quote from the Bible. At the end of this, there's several other people that quoted from the Bible as well. We had a city councilman that, that responded saying that we were radical extremists, that we were Christian nationalists, that we were like Al-Qaeda, that we wanted Sharia law in the Christian form, and that we wanted some, some sort of theocratic rule. This was his response to us. Now, in, in his response, you get the vitriol and the anger of secularists that are very religious, that have their orthodoxy, responding to Christianity. They're responding to the, much of American history, but they're responding to God's word, and they're responding to God's word with hatred and anger. Now, enter in the third way, Tim Kel- just the Tim Keller way. Now, I don't want to say everything with Tim Keller is terrible. You guys have heard me talk a little bit about him. But uh, this whole third way that he really just hacked away at for the last 30, 40 years or whatever is much to blame for this kind of idea and this this kind of thinking. In response to this guy saying, you are Al-Qaeda, you are Christian nationalists, there is a whole swath of the cool kid table in the Christian world right now that want to say, wait a minute, we're not like that. And they will throw anybody like myself or anybody in this camp that's being accused of wanting to advance the kingdom of God into the public square. They will throw them under the bus. They will throw them into prison. They will stand right there with those uh, in the secular world that are calling those kinds of Christians like myself, that they're calling those kind of Christians Al-Qaeda, Yal-Qaeda, whatever, (laughs) Yal-Qaeda because we're country. And they will throw them under the bus and they will watch them be thrown into prison as well. Because they are wanting to stand on the other side and say, no, we're not like that. They're extremists. We're not like that. We're middle of the road. We recognize the error of all these Christian nationalists wanting to establish this theocratic rule. And they will marginalize brothers and sisters in Christ. They will and they have and they are. What is David French doing? What is people like Karen Swallow Pryor doing when she talks about people that happened to support Trump and saw a theological reason to vote for him um, and happened to you know, say that we believe in a, we want to fight for a Christian area, region, nation, or we want to put America first in the, the scope of globalism, and we want to push back against glo- globalism. Karen Swallow Pryor said that these, this is cosplay Christianity. Okay, It's them saying things about their brothers and sisters in Christ pushing back. And then when we respond and say, hey, hey Karen Swallow, Swallow Pryor, hey, Tim Keller, this, this is not the way. Like you standing and accusing us and agreeing with all these people who are hating on those that are trying to open the Bible in the civic realm, in the civic sphere, and say, thus saith the Lord. And when you stand there and accuse us and we say, hey, hey, hey guys, we're brothers and sisters in Christ here. Can you please stop, you know, throwing us to the wolves 
And would you please recognize that there is a, a rich theological tradition here in the Reformed tradition and all the way from Kuiper forward, but really all the way back, I mean, down to John the Baptist that stood in front of emperors, that stood in front of governors and said, this is wrong, and it's wrong because God says it's wrong. And we have this whole group of people that says, no, that's just Christian nationalism. Instead, people... Many people and many Christians, and this is really what I want to appeal to you, Pastor, is you're thinking through this. Are you, your choice before you, when it comes to the public realm, when it comes to what happens at your local courthouse, what happens with your local laws and your state laws and the national laws, okay, your options are pragmatism when it comes to law, humanistic laws rooted in secular humanism. Your options are a pluralistic, globalistic foundation or, or, get this, God has something to say about this. God's in charge. There is right and wrong defined by the creator of the universe. And you have the obligation to either get in line with the globalists and the pluralists and just stand there and say, yeah, whatever we can come up with that's going to make the most harmony. Or you can recognize that God's law provides the most freedom for the most amount of people. And God's law is always right. Whatever God says on a moral or ethical issue, it's not a political issue first. It is a moral and ethical issue first. And it's theological first. And if our governing authorities that are elected or appointed recognize that or not, it doesn't change the fact that these are theological. That This has to do with God's law. This has to do with God's word. So things like abortion are not political. It has to do with God's law. It has to do with things like the Ten Commandments, murder. And you can either get in line with David French and say, well, we're just going to play the middle round here and we're just going to always try to be in the middle of the left and the right and the scriptures critique both the left and the right and blah, 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 all that nonsense. No, 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 no. The scriptures declare what's right and wrong. They declare the truth. So you have this option before you. You can shrink back at declaring the truth publicly or you can take the route of the Anabaptist in, in history and say that the scriptures just simply aren't authoritative in the public square. You just let them do whatever they want. Or you can step up and be a Christian nationalist. What do I mean by that? What? Let's break this down. The whole the whole controversy is over the word nationalism. Like, oh, nationalism's bad. Glo- globalism's better. Globalism is the Christian pers- you know, perspective. Blah, 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 blah. And that is an absolute lie. The way I've explained it is this. I think I've mentioned this on the podcast before. All right. Nationalism. Are we to be nationalists or globalists? We are to be nationalists. Break it down into a smaller idea to try to help you think through this idea and concept. If you get elected in your community, somebody that's the mayor of the town, and if the mayor of your community starts to put every other single city around you before the city they were elected to serve, what are people in that community going to think? Now, if that he stands up and says, hey, I'm going to uh, take our tax dollars and I'm going to give them to all the communities around us. And also, I'm going to mock and ridicule you if you get upset with that uh, local citizen. What, what are you going to do? I mean, you're going to see the absurdity of that. And on the national level, it's absolutely absurd that we are pushing for such globalism. It is absurd that we have allowed China to take control of so many things that we have on all, I mean, I mean, almost every single item of clothing we wear made in China or every single household product that we have made in China or we're giving money to all these countries around the world, tax dollars, that we're giving billions of dollars to the Ukraine. We, we care about, for some reason, 
Ukrainian nationalism, but we repudiate the idea of American nationalism. So when we put these two words together, Christian nationalists, here's what that means. I think, and people define it differently, clearly, we want this nation to be filled with more and more Christians. Uh, That's right. We want more and more people to be Christians. And here's what it also means. It means that we want our civic authorities to understand that they are under God, not above God. We want them to understand that they don't get to rule by way of pragmatism or what makes sense to them. We want them to understand that God's word has something to say about what they're doing. That's what we want to understand. And we, when we see those that are in elected or appointed positions above us, or if we see them ruling in a way where they're rewarding the evil and punishing the good, we have the John the Baptist obligation to say, hey, Jesus is king here and you're under his kingship. He is the ruler of kings, Revelation, and we have to recognize what he says goes. And we have to say, when our officials that are elected or appointed are in the wrong, we have to be able to look them in the eye and say, this is wrong and you will be held accountable to God. And then we have to receive those accusations. I was called a radical extremist. Are you okay with that? Are you okay with being called Al-Qaeda? Are you okay with the people in your community? And I have many friends, many friends, used to do a lot of... uh, writing it for the church and have a lot of articles published in, in some places. And I don't do that anymore. I don't write it as much anymore, but I don't submit to those places anymore. And uh, lost some friendships because of some positions that I've take, taken or I had some friendships that have just uh, been at, at odds with each other over the last couple of years. Are you okay with that? I mean, I just, are you okay with that? Because if you're going to do what John the Baptist does here, you're going to lose some friends. And unfortunately, you're going to have some brothers in arms that turn on you. And they're going to do what a lot of these big Eva people have done. And they will start ridiculing you as a a crazy Christian nationalist if you do what John the Baptist did. If you just say Jesus is Lord and Caesar is not Lord. Let's look at this in Luke. And I want you to consider this. Honestly, Pastor, this this could be a moment for you um, that that changes a lot. And there are people, (laughs) I just heard this, I was just listening to it, Doug Wilson and Jared Longshore a video about some of this stuff recently. It was really good. I think it just came out a couple days ago. I want you to see what uh, John the Baptist said to Herod. Okay? Here it is. But Herod the Tetrarch, who had been reproved by him, this is John the Baptist, and this is what you got to consider, Herodias' brother's wife, and here's what he called him out for, for all the evil things Herod had done. You see, John the Baptist recognized that Herod did not have the liberty to pragmatically do whatever he wanted to do or sinfully do whatever he wanted to do. He recognized that Herod was under authority and that God's word was authoritative and God's law is authoritative over him. And so what did John the Baptist do? He said, you are in the wrong, not just for Herodias, your brother's wife, but you are wrong for all the evil things that you're doing. And that's the challenge before us, brothers. That's the challenge before us. Are we willing to stand as a prophetic voice in the public square and be like John the Baptist? Are we willing to stop being embarrassed about being a Christian nationalist? Yes, I am a Christian first and a nationalist second and so many more things. But I am for the nations being discipled and the nation that I'm a part of is my local area, my state, and this United States of America. And I want it Christianized. I want the leaders who are elected and appointed to understand God's law and to rule accordingly. I don't want them to be walking in evil, and when they are, I'm going to call them out and do what God has called me to do. So are you willing to do that? I hope you are. Well, guys, thank you so much for listening. 
Hope this has been helpful. Like I said, we're going to be doing some episodes where we're going to be going through some uh, theological things. We're going to be talking about God's law. We're going to be talking about eschatology and just several different fun things. But I want you to want to thank you so much for continuing to come back. You guys have been listening to the Shepherd's Creek Podcast. Thanks so much for being here again. If you want more information about the work, you can go to theshepherdscreek.co and please consider leaving a rating and review on iTunes.